Hello and welcome to the Intentional Soul, the home for the highly functioning spiritual types out in the world. It is here that we look at the world and ourselves through the lens of higher consciousness, connecting deeply to who and what we really are. Now, my name is Tom Ross, spiritual teacher, healer, spiritual nonconformist, and I am your host for these conversations. On the Intentional Soul, we hear not only from me, but from people who are living intentionally, openly, and authentically in their world. We'll hear their stories of personal transformation while sharing best practices and tactics to help you get the most out of this game called life. Now, nothing is off limits as we seek to expand ourselves and our awareness and live, ultimately, our most authentic lives. Let's dive in. All right, with us today is Laura Chandler. Now, Laura is a transformational life coach. She's a body love coach and a spiritual energy healer, which, as we know, is near and dear to my heart. Laura provides intuitive guidance to women all over the world, allowing them to forever end karmic and deeply embedded cycles of suffering and lack in their lives and instead be able to flourish in every possible way. So Laura currently runs an online 12-week body love program as well as in-person body love live events. That supports women in, in ending the emotional stress eating cycle. And after the completion of her curriculum, women finally feel beautiful and confident in their bodies. And she holds both a BA in psychology from the University of, University of California, Davis, and a master's in counseling from the uh, Santa Clara University. So literally a bridge between worlds. Laura, welcome so much to the Intentional Soul. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. This has been such a fun thing to look forward to doing. Awesome. So tell us about yourself and your background. Yeah. So on an educational level, I really found myself obsessed and addicted to understanding how the human mind works. So I went into my undergraduate studies, really focusing on psychology. And though it was intriguing to me and filled me up to some extent, um, I was still dissatisfied after I got my bachelor's in psychology. And I decided, you know, I want more. I want to understand more this relationship between people and how they connect with themselves. So I went back and I got my master's in counseling, which allowed me to facilitate much deeper healing people. And as well, like find that sense of fulfillment within myself, because I always was drawn to helping people and witnessing their transformation. Um, During that point, though, I started having my own, what I call spiritual awakening. And through my study, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what that was at the time. I was kind of stumbling upon this for myself. And as I went deeper and deeper into Googling and reading books about spiritual awakening, I realized I myself have the ability to heal people on a spiritual level. And so I'll kind of just like wrap it up there. There's a whole lot of story within it. Um. (laughs) Well, I'm chomping at the bit. So um, what was, I'm curious. So spiritual awakening, you are highly educated and highly trained. Uh, There's something inside you, which is, uh, which is like a healer, which is like the the thing I think you were describing when you're like, I wanted to get, uh, you know, counseling because it allowed me to facilitate deeper kind of levels of healing with people, which is, which is perfect. 
And then the spiritual awakening, like, like what was, like, what was that like for you? Like, what were you experiencing when, uh, when you were going undergoing this process? And then how did you, how did you decide to integrate it into, into your, your work and your life? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it was really unnerving for me at first because it felt like a secret I had to keep. Okay. Uh, yeah. As I was finding out that there's this whole spiritual realm, this whole energy realm that I was completely unaware of before, I wasn't so comfortable telling people I was going through this process just because there's a lot of stigma around, oh, you know, that's crazy talk or yeah. that, right? So I kind of held it in within myself. I told a few people I had some roommates at the time who were witnessing what was going on and were curious. But overall, I just felt like this is very strange. And I didn't see why I was going through it. Awesome. So was there something that you were experiencing that was telling you it was like a spiritual awakening like like how were because not everybody experiences this right and um there's there's it's not the case that everyone has like a metamorphic event or something that that they're experiencing where they they know about themselves that something is occurring and so i'd like to i'd like to like just drill into that real quick like what were you experiencing in your world or life that was causing you to say, Hmm, there's something going on here. There's an awakening of sorts. Like what was it that made you go to Google and try to learn about what you were experiencing? Okay. Yes. So when I, I was right before my spiritual awakening, I was in a seven year relationship. And when I ended that relationship, I felt this deep sense of isolation and loneliness. Okay. I had just, I had just lost essentially what my whole life was uh, revolving around. And so in order to cope with some of that pain that I was going through, I started meditating and it wasn't long after I started meditating that I started experiencing bodily sensation that scared the heck out of me. Okay. Like, like, like what? Give it, give us an example. Yeah. I started having tingling in the top of my head. That okay. was so, that was so intense. Um, I even remember laying in bed, putting a Bible on top of my head because I was so freaked out that, <laughs> yeah, that something was happening to me. Like on a spiritual level, I thought maybe I was being possessed or something because it was tingling so intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, along the same lines, my, in the middle of my forehead, between my eyebrows, I started having this really strong pulsation feeling. And again, I didn't know what that was. It felt like something was opening up in that part of my, my forehead. And so I started Googling, you know, I, I'm meditating and I'm having all of these bodily sensations what's happening to me and <laughs> Yo, hold on. Did, did, did Google, did Google, Google give you the WebMD version of like, Oh, you're dying or, or did that yeah. wasn't actually helpful? Uh, well, it told me I was having potentially tactile delusions. Got it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I actually called a, a therapist uh, through my workplace. We had like this certain 
hotline that we could call to get advice from a therapist. And meanwhile, I'm telling you, I was in school to become a therapist. So it was, yep. this whole thing was freaking me out. I was like, yeah. I'm going crazy. And um, the, the therapist was even a little concerned for me because I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. And something like being implanted in my head is like, oh, no, <laughs> I know I sound wildly crazy. But again, that was, it was bringing me back to my body. It was, it was beckoning something in my body was sending me signals and it led me down this rabbit hole of figuring out what was actually happening to me. And part of what I discovered is that my mind, that conscious mind that was always so busy, chattering, chattering, chattering with thoughts and concerns was so quieted down through the meditation that I was actually able to sense my body for the first time in my life. Mm. And so, so it, the wisdom of the body is like the compass of the soul. So I didn't know that at the time, but I was just coming home. I was coming home to my soul and I, I did, but I didn't know it. Got it. That's a, that's amazing. So a traumatic termination of a relationship, profound sadness you were experiencing, understandable. And then, you know, through attempting to, resolve feeling you know, feeling bad you started meditating through the course of meditation you started experiencing phenomenon that you couldn't explain and then over the course of questioning yourself and then researching and questioning yourself and researching and thinking you're crazy eventually you were you got exposed to the fact that like there's an entire world or philosophy or, or, you know, um, belief structure out there that talks about that phenomenon you were experiencing as something related to spirituality. And that resonated and that tended to quiet your mind and, and continue to produce results the deeper you went into it. Is that, is that a fair, is that recapping? Yes. yes. And it was comforting to discover all of this material. It was coming to me in the most synchronistic ways. Okay. Incredible ways. Uh, it was as if I was asking questions and immediately I was giving answers from X, Y, and Z all over directions. I'd be walking down the street and there'd be a box of books and on the top of it was Tao Te Ching, you know, talking about <laughs> me and the flow. I tell, <laughs> it was just the oddest thing. And so, yes, it was comforting because even though it was terrifying, I felt like this support system around me that was invisible. That's amazing. And, and, you know, the reason why I, I, I want to just, I, I just, I wanted to spend time talking about that is because I think that there are so many people who are scared of, of non-dogmatic or non-traditionally dogmatic uh, thoughts and, and belief structures and, and feelings. And there's a, there's a stigma sometimes as, as you just, as you just mentioned, of, Hey, it's crazy. It's out there. It's, it could be woo woo and, and, you know, not overly, you know, functional. And the reality is, is like, you know, you and I both represent traditions and disciplines, um, you know, culturally growing up where it's like, there are highly functional people that are having this experience that they can't quite explain. And rather than throw it away and ignore it, like there's a way to there's a way to not throw the baby out with the bathwater when you lean into learning about what's going on, you know, and still keeping all the practicality and all the functionality of uh, of of your life. And I just think that that's such a that's such an amazing line to to walk. And so that occurred for you while you were while you were doing your graduate or your undergraduate work. 
my graduate studies. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, <clears throat> what an incredible, what an incredible opportunity and, and place to have it. And so I would suspect that what you're doing right now is wholly different than what you thought you were going to be doing, uh, you know, with your, with your degree and with your practice when you came out of, uh, out of your undergrad. Is that accurate? Yeah. When I came out of undergrad, I just thought, okay, I'm going to be a counselor of some sort. And that, that was exciting for me at the time, but I wasn't quite sure what kind of counselor I was going to be, a school counselor, uh, what was it going to be? And as I was going through, of course, the training, I started discovering more about how our, how we fragment ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on how we were grown up, uh, what we were told was acceptable behavior or not acceptable from our parents, that kind of creates the persona, the personality, um, the ways that we behave and the ways that we act. And I got really kind of hooked on that because I saw so much of myself in it. I saw, oh, wow, I've really disowned this part of me that was so an integral part of me when I was a child. But because it wasn't approved of, I just completely uh, rejected it out of myself. So as I started going through my studies for my master's, I started reintegrating back parts of myself that were quote, lost for me for so, so long. And I started feeling this heightened state of joy, fulfillment, um, connection with myself. And I, and I was like, this is what I want for people. I want people to come home, come back to who they, who they truly are, not this weird distortion of their parents' beliefs and parents' expectations and all of that, but no, to be back to their authentic core self and to really be reading lives that fulfill them. That's that's amazing. So so the integration, so, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about your, well, you tell me, is it more, is it better to, to go into kind of talking about your perspective on karma and the karmic cycles and, and, and maybe, you know, because what you're describing in, in timeline you know, right now is, is resolving, is resolving karma in, in current life. So do you want to talk about that? Or do you want to talk about like the, the, the program, the 12 week body love program and talk about like how you deploy this stuff in there? Like, like, what do you, how would you, what's the best way to, to move forward and describe this for everybody? If you start with the karmic piece, which is you are a sum totality of, you know, your DNA and also your environment. So your the actual DNA that you hold is so ancient. It's generation upon generation upon generation passed down to you. And so your your cells are encoded with this these messages that are really outdated, that really may not be so joyful, right? Because if your ancestors went through a challenging time, that trauma can be trickled back down to you now because it's just been passed down from generation to generation. And so you can be living your life currently feeling like a prisoner in certain ways. And you don't know why, like intent uh, consciously, you're like, I know this isn't the way I want to be. And I know this isn't aligned with how I think, but I'm just compulsively acting in this other way. It's all really a trauma response from your generation's past. Um, so the women that I work with currently they're dealing with a whole lot of passed down trauma. Some of it within their own lifetime now here, but a lot of it has to do with what they hold in their DNA. And so we really, we really rewind back 
and we address kind of deeper karmic things together, as well as doing the practical steps that we can do in the present day that are more in line with what they're wanting to you know, experience in their life. Was there a certain moment that you knew that you wanted to work and, and help women specifically? Uh, was it always like that coming out or was this, is it more recent coming out of the master's program? Working with women. Mm-hmm. I've always felt more comfortable working with women because I can truly relate to a lot of the struggles that we all kind of share. I have worked with men in the past and quite honestly, they're lovely. I sometimes question, should I start integrating helping men as well? But I keep coming back to women because I have such a passion for kind of the feminine side. And I, I feel women tend to hold more of that feminine energy within them. So that's kind of why I more specifically help women. It's just more of a relatable thing for me. Totally get it. What is a stress eating cycle? The stress eating cycle. So stress eating, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of my backstory with this. When I was, I think the, the age of like 18 to 25, 26, I was engaged in a lot of stress eating. And it all stemmed from me not having control over my emotions. Around 20, so when I was about 18, I lost my mother. And I felt really emotionally unstable. And I can recall a time when I was really grieving her death and I didn't know how to cope with those emotions. So I just, it was just the weirdest thing. I just said, you know, I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to eat. And so I started eating just to kind of numb myself out from experiencing such loads. And it gave me a temporary high to eat mm-hmm. because, you know, as it does, it gives you that dopamine hit. But it always left me feeling really guilty and much more sad because now, oh God, I just ate all this cake or I ate these donuts or pizza and it felt gross in my body. So it created a really bad cycle where I was eating to find comfort and pleasure and then also beating myself up after and that would create more stress. So then I would eat again. And so it was just this terrible cycle. And the women I work with now, they're stuck in the same type of loop that I was in. Though their their actual, the event that kind of caused them to start eating is different. Like every woman has a different kind of reason she started emotional eating. And do you find that sometimes the uh, emotional eating, is it rooted in legacy information in the soul or the DNA versus, versus you know, say you, you could point very specifically, mom's death, that was a tipping point in this life. What percentage of, uh, of people are, are dealing with stuff from prior or older versions of themselves? Well, I can't say specifically, but I will say, let's, let's phrase it as 50-50. Okay. For instance, when I lost my mother and I went through that terrible feeling of loneliness, it wasn't just that I lost her that caused me to start emotionally eating. It was that I was already pre predispositioned to feel this sense of loneliness because I had ancestral like whole line of, you know, (laughs) generations past that also had that same sensation. And I was just kind of the perfect little, you know, it was just a perfect little point where boom, it, both of them just met. And it was like this breeding ground of, I can't handle this. 
like you were following the protocol as soon as a stimulus was present. You know, it's like the, the yeah. protocol was always was always latent stimulus. And then, boom, you're on you're on the, the show. I, I, I always like to, to describe it like. So and, and you're you're talking legacy you know, through DNA. Um, you know, I, I'm I'll talk about, you know, uh, the soul, a soul that's potentially lived thousands of, of, of human lifetimes. I would like to describe it like this. It's it's like there's a thousand versions of you stretching behind you. There's a thousand versions of me stretching behind me. And whatever happens in the environment, it's like shaking the snow globe of all the different of all the, all the different versions. Like you, I can be well adjusted here now. And if I've got three or four different versions of me that are holding up their hand and saying, this is BS, that reminds me of a time when the soul has like, it's like the soul has memory, but lacks the ability to disregard and, uh, and, and not, um, and, and, and discern or, and then disregard what isn't immediately relevant. It's experiencing 100% of itself at all times. So even with you, the, the, the death of your mom, that was a triggering event. It's all the different legacy versions that have experienced loss or loss of, of whatever that, that, you know, that contribute to, to the feelings that you were, you know, that you were compensating for essentially. So, right. So what are the most, the methodologies that you, or what's maybe you don't have to tell them all, but what are some methodologies that you employ when you talk about like breaking these cycles, when you're working with these women, producing profound results in their lives? Um, how do you access older information? I go about it in many different ways, really any way that I think is going to be most effective for a woman. Um, I have a toolkit of different uh, energy modality techniques. One of my favorites is utilizing emotional freedom techniques, which is the different energy systems in your body. So we have different places in which we store some of our trauma in our body. And by actually stimulating those areas, we're able to move the energy out. And sometimes it looks like tears, you know, we're alchemizing this energy that's been stored up in the body and it comes out in different ways. It can come out in sounds, it can come out in shakes or twitches or tears. Um, But really it's just stimulating the areas where we have some blockages. Awesome. And then, and that's the, uh, uh, is that the the, the breathing? Is that what, uh, what you described or is there, that's a different technique? That is a different technique. Okay. Got it. So I'm fascinated by all, uh, you know, by all modalities. And I love talking to, to, to fellow practitioners and and healers. So when you think about your career, uh, your, you know, your life, what you've constructed, can you talk about a time where you had to be flexible, you know, to, to be who you are sitting here right now, uh, this wholly authentic person? Oh God, my whole life has been some, yeah, flexible, adaptive, thing courageous (laughs) super courageous there's been times where i thought oh i am so terrified and i'm still doing this even coming public with what i do is very terrifying at times um just because it is so different and uh, not understood quite yet i don't think that the science has fully come on board with um the legitimacy of what i do what you do but you know let the work speak for itself Right? Like go through it and experience it and then tell me, right, that it's that it's real. Um, because it is. I remember one thing specifically. I was just coming out of graduate school and I was living in one of the most expensive places in the country. And I was having a very hard time supporting myself, but I was heck bent on getting my work out into the world. 
And I was trying to find ways to support myself as I was growing my business and serving women. And I decided to take on this job um, in marketing at a startup. <laughs> and it was not, it was so not me, but it was something that, you know, I, had, I still was educated. I could still contribute to the job, but um, it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. And it was paying my bills. It was mm-hmm. allowing me, it was allowing me to create my business on the side. And that was completely aligned with who I am and my authentic self. So I had to be adaptive. It's not a simple thing to just find your purpose and then boom, you're off to the races. No, oftentimes we have to really dig deep and find the resources that are currently around us to support us, to get us to a place where we're actually living out our authentic life, our life purpose. Thank you for saying that. I joke a lot of times that, that this podcast is really just me giving therapy to myself, and uh, and I'm very much, I'm very much in that space and transition right now. So so thank you for uh, for for you know telling it like it is. Have you been a lone wolf? You know, in, in your in your process, or do you have like kind of a tribe around you that you're able to to draw on support from that that you can a community that you've built that that has these particular. Um, philosophical and and subjective understandings that you have. Okay. So back to how I was saying, as I was going through the process of awakening and and realizing my spiritual gifts and abilities, I started connecting with people in those synchronistic ways through different outlets. I did different programs, seminars, in-person, online, and I was gathering connections with people who were experiencing similar-ish things or at least nuggets of what I was experiencing. Like one woman had spiritual abilities, but she, you know, she, she didn't have the entire same philosophy as me. Right. Or I was going, when I recognized that we have energy systems, I was part of a group of women that we um, were exploring the chakra system together. So I found support along the way, but I was also feeling like I was doing it on my own in in a great sense because Really, you can only do this. You can only reconnect your soul on your own. No one else can. No one else can do that for you. So it still is a trust fall, right? You're still falling into yourself constantly, like questioning yourself: Am I doing the right thing? Am I going down the right path? Um, but luckily, when you are kind of able to connect with people on a similar-ish level, it, it does give you peace. It gave me peace. I love it. I, I, it's a trust fall. I think that is so incredibly articulate and falling into yourself over and over again. That is, uh, that is beautiful. And I'm going to borrow it. I'll say to you, but I'm going to, I'm going to borrow it. <laughs> so if you're going to share something with someone listening uh, who, you know, either maybe longing to take a risk or, or maybe it's, maybe they're in that position of, I think I know something about myself and I'm scared. You know, I don't even know what, what that means. I don't even know what the thing is that I think that I know about myself. However, they're pulled towards something and they get that itch, that itch that can't quite be, be scratched going right now. What would you tell them with respect to risk taking or to allow them to be more of who they really are or, or step forward? If they are listening to your podcast, then they're definitely coming home to themselves. And even if they have this trepidation of 
discovering things about themselves that they haven't looked at before, I would say take it one moment at a time. Go towards what you're curious around, what excites you, because you don't need to know the answers, but you just have to have the openness to discover the answers. And they will come and the healing will come because if your soul has already decided you want to feel whole, you want to be happy, you want to be filled in your life, it's inevitable. It's just a matter of surrendering to it moment to moment. And there is not a better way to end. Um, Laura Chandler, thank you so very much for being with us here uh, today. How can they reach you? Thank you, Tom. I, again, it's such a privilege to be here and to even share this um, with you and the audience. If anyone wants to get a hold of me, I do have an Instagram, which is connected to all my other links. Um, it lifted with Laura. You can find it there because I'm all about elevating on all levels of your life. And I would be happy to talk to anybody who's interested in what we shared today. Um, yeah, what a privilege. It's always amazing to, to, to meet uh, a fellow healer in, in their own path and their own discipline. And you are exactly that. And I'm so excited to see what you produce uh, in the world for people. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much. All right, this has been another episode of the Intentional Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to leave a five-star review if you found this content of value. And as always, I'm your host, Tom Ross, Master Practitioner of the Advanced Rapid Enlightenment Process and Rapid Enlightenment Process developed by Matthew Ferry. You can reach me at Tom at TomRossTalks.com and the website to engage and be a part of any classes, trainings, or sessions I have going on is www.TomRossTalks.com. Until next time, peace.